Hello everyone, this is Sam Brighter and I'm the founder of Run Brighter, a digital running community meant to educate, motivate, and entertain beginner runners and runners who struggle with consistency, see all the mental and physical benefits running provides. I've been coaching runners both in person and digitally for five years, but have been running both competitively and casually for 14 years. The Run Brighter podcast gives me the opportunity to bring on guests to share their running journeys and running advice. I assure you, listening to this podcast will make you want to run and follow your journey as the conversations in this episode will send signals to your mind that even when it's cold, you're sore, tired, or going through something, that a run is still well worth doing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode in the Run Brighter podcast. This is episode number 45, and today we are going to be doing a solo episode. I'm currently in a hotel. I am in Chicago for the week. No, I'm not running the Chicago Marathon this year. Maybe next year I'm definitely going to apply for the lottery again and do my best to get into that race. That will be our Illinois race as we have a goal of running a marathon in all 50 states. But today's episode, we want to talk about how everything is going in Denver and how running and training is going there. And you can definitely expect some tips along the way as far as if you're planning on moving to a new city, especially across the country, something challenging like New York to Denver, like I faced, as well as adjusting to training in higher altitude, such as Denver. But one thing I want to say is if you are listening to this episode, I am wearing a Bank of America Chicago Marathon hat. If you're watching this, you'll see it. But I want to thank I Run Chicago. He was a guest on the Run Brighter podcast. He gave me this hat after today. We went on an awesome run on the lakefront and really enjoyed that. With my new job, they have me out here in Chicago for the week. We're doing some trainings. So after being in Denver for eight days, I literally have already left to go to Chicago. Hopefully that will calm down with some of the travel. Although with my new job, it sounds like there's going to be a bit more travel. But the bright side of that is you will see me run in some more different cities, which is exciting. But I am looking forward to definitely getting settled into Denver and enjoying the life in Colorado now that I'm there. And, you know, one thing I want to say as far as the move, it was definitely a lot of work and really, really draining. And there were some things that I learned from this experience that I did right and that I did wrong that I think you could really learn about in the case that you do plan on making a big move. So that's why I want to share this episode to help you out, to help out my community, because I know that people are always moving and it might be for it might be for fitness reasons, which was one of my biggest reasons of wanting to move to Denver, life reasons, social reasons. There's so many reasons to move. But one thing I will tell you is that in my opinion, I did some things right with this move and I did a lot wrong. The craziest move I've ever had was from New York to Ohio and then from Ohio to New York, which are eight to 10 hour drives depending on traffic. And you can just put everything that you own in a U-Haul and drive it there and it's cheaper than hiring movers and it'll get all your stuff there in one piece. But when you go to Denver, unless you wanna drive 25 hours or if you're going from Boston to LA or from LA to Florida, whatever your move might be. If it's a far move, it's important that you do it the right way. Otherwise it can cost you a lot of money, time, effort. So here are some tips that I have. First of all, what I will say is that understand the stuff that you have and what you want to keep and what you don't. We all own a bunch of stuff that we don't need. I know that for sure. And there's some things that we own that we might think we need, but we are better off just getting rid of it and selling it on eBay or Facebook Marketplace and making some money that can then allow you to buy some things that you might like more when you move into your new spot. 
So that's a quick thought and tip. That's something that I did. There was so much stuff that I sold and got rid of throughout this move. And then I was able to use that money towards the new furniture and new lifestyle that I'm setting myself up for in Denver. So that's my first tip here. My second tip as well is do a value assessment of the stuff that you want to keep in your current place. And if your stuff is worth, in my opinion, if you're doing a cross-country move, over $10,000, then go ahead and ship those items through a moving company, a high-quality moving company. You'll probably see that cost anywhere between $1,500 to $4,000. But if the stuff's worth ten grand plus, then obviously it's worth it. If it's worth less than that, then I don't really think it is going to be worth it to pay for movers unless the stuff has sentimental value to you that makes it worth it to you personally. So those are decisions you'll have to make and that you'll have to think about. Now, the route I took was the route that was the cheapest, the most work, and allowed me to keep everything that I wanted to keep. So what I did was anything that I wanted to keep, I put on the side and I packed those up in USPS and FedEx boxes. Now, your best bet if you wanna take this route is to get large boxes because two small boxes that weigh 30 pounds compared to one box that weighs 30 pounds is going to be more expensive than that one box. So something to keep in mind. But at the same time, you wanna make sure that that box doesn't break, that those items are secured properly with bubble wrap, because if not, you could definitely see these items show up broken or not at all if the box breaks. I will say though, doing this is going to take a lot of time. You're gonna be doing a lot of taping up bringing things to the post office. So I could go through what I shipped, but it's just a bunch of stuff that I didn't want to get rid of that ultimately I figured would add value to my future apartment. In total, there was probably 10 different boxes that I shipped and one incredibly large box. And it cost me probably about $800 to ship everything. Along the way, it seems like I've lost one box in the mail that just hasn't shown up. And then I shipped my coffee table. But what it was was a coffee table that had a refrigerator inside of it, a speaker on the outside, and it also lit up. It was a $1,200 table that I got a long time ago. I needed a mini fridge, I needed a speaker, and I wanted a coffee table. So I'm like, let's just put it all into one place. I'm moving to New York. I want something that is going to allow me to do more with less. And so I got that table and I packed that up myself. I bubble wrapped it myself. I wrapped boxes around it myself. I did the cheapest option through FedEx, which was FedEx ground. It weighed 105 pounds. It cost $200 to ship and it showed up completely broken. And it was honestly really dangerous because the glass top had broken, the speaker had broke. So something like that something really risky and fragile, I don't recommend shipping on your own, especially if you're gonna use the cheapest possible shipping service because you're flipping a coin ultimately if it's gonna show up in good condition or not. If this is an item that you really care about, then pay the extra amount, insure it, have someone pack it up for you, or have a full out moving service move it for you. I could have paid $700 more and had a full out moving service potentially and been able to move that table, everything else, and maybe a couple other things. It would have saved me time, broken objects, things of that nature. So you live and you learn, but that's just some tips from my experience moving. Now, as far as my adjustment to my life in Denver, I can already tell that Denver is going to be a place that I am going to live for a long time. I'm really happy there so far. And yes, when you go to any place for the first time, like I'm in Chicago right now, I'm loving it. It gives you that new car smell in a sense, I guess you could say, where everything feels fresh and exciting and you're looking forward to all the opportunities. 
and then you get used to it and you drive the car every day and then ultimately it just feels regular to you and perhaps you get bored and sick of it. But I see myself staying in, in Denver or just the state of Colorado might be more fair to say in general for a long time just because I can tell that the lifestyle there I will be able to adapt to a lot more and feel a lot more long-term stability than the way I felt living in New York City. New York City always felt very temporary to me. It always felt like an experience and living life to the fullest and trying to do everything where Colorado to me, it more seems like a place where I could see myself settling down and having structure and building long-term relationships and build my career in a lot of different ways there. So that is what I'm excited about. There's no crazy wow factors when you go to Denver. I'll feel that a bit more when I start exploring the mountains and doing some of the different races and whatnot. You'll have more of that wow factor. Denver is a pretty simple city. There's a lot you can do there, but it's not like anything in Denver is better than any other city in the country. Their food is good. I wouldn't say it's the best. Their nightlife is good. I wouldn't say it's the best. Their sports teams are fun and good. Are they the best? Well, the Nuggets just won the finals, which was a fun thing to experience. But still, like across the board, it's not like this crazy sports town with a crazy sports culture. Half the people who live in Denver, it feels like at least aren't even from Denver. So, you know, it's more of a place where people go for the lifestyle components of what's outside of Denver. And you can quickly tell that. But I think that's what's exciting about it is the opportunity to see different things throughout the state to be able to live there, to feel safe, to be in an area that is affordable. I mean, I know Denver by no means is the cheapest city in the country, but it's no New York. You can really have a high quality of life and be able to do a lot of the things that you enjoy both in the city and outside of the city, which is why I've really enjoyed it. And again, see myself staying there for the long haul. Now, as far as the running has gone, I've been there for eight total days. I have only ran by myself so far. I've mostly ran by myself so far and I ran with one friend on one day as well, but it hasn't been any crazy level of training. Last week I ran 25 miles and the running there has been a little challenging so far. It's certainly harder to breathe there than it was in New York and this is simply because of the altitude and I expected that and I'm not surprised. The easy runs, I can quickly tell my heart rate and now this is going by my Garmin, so it's not fully accurate, but it seems to be pretty accurate overall, typically, is about 20 to 30 beats higher per minute in Denver than it was in New York for the same perceived effort as far as the motion within my legs to run that similar pace, which when I'm running an easy pace run, I'm seeing my pace range anywhere between 8.30 to 9.30 typically. And so when I'm running at that pace, nice and easy and conversational typically in New York, that same perceived effort, perceived pace, I'm making an Instagram story and I'm breathing a lot heavier. And I honestly feel like conversational pace will never be super simple in Denver until I get adapted, which is going to take probably 30 to 35 days, according to the science and what they say, but we'll see. I'm someone that Breathing has always been my biggest challenge with running, not my legs. And so I expected this to be a challenge for me, but I ultimately think it's going to make me a significantly better runner. I mean, I've talked to several people, both who live in Denver or have temporarily lived in Colorado or areas with higher altitude. And across the board, what people have said to me is that, yes, the training is more challenging. 
and you are going to be hard on yourself when your paces are not what they were. But ultimately, when they went from that to a race in a lower altitude area, they ended up seeing results that were a lot better than they expected and seeing PRs that have been hard to break. I'm hoping that this new challenge of living there and the harder training conditions will really set me up for success for my upcoming marathon in St. George and future races and future marathons that I choose to do across the country. And as far as where I've ran so far, I haven't even scratched the surface yet. Really the two places I've ran to, which I literally have just left my apartment and ran to these places, have included Cheeseman Park as well as City Park. Both are beautiful parks. Cheeseman has a beautiful 1.25 to 1.4, somewhere in that range, mile loop, where you're pretty much running on a trail path within a park, which is gonna be excellent if I just want a convenient run as it's only a mile away from my new apartment and I can do things like speed workouts, thresholds, even easy runs or any type of run really there. And then I ran at City Park, which is a park that's surrounded by both a zoo, a golf course, and it has a beautiful lake and different amenities there that were really cool as well. And I didn't even see the entire inside of the park. I just ran the perimeter around it this past Saturday. Now, my initial feel with running in Denver outside of the training adjustments that are naturally happening with the altitude is, and this is just my opinion, I feel a lot more safe running there than I typically had felt running in New York. And that's not to say running in New York City is not safe by any means. I think New York City has amazing security and you have the benefit of having a lot of people. So if something happens, there are people there to report it, get you help, things of that nature. But with Denver, because it's less crowded, you know, a New Yorker dodging bikers and other runners and roller skaters and you're crossing streets with cars and ambulances and things of that nature. Whereas Denver, it's overall just super calm. There's plenty of runners out there, but you've got all the space in the world. And it also makes recording content a lot easier for me. So not only am I feeling safer, but I'm also able to create videos with better sound quality and more confidence than the way I personally had felt in New York City. So if you're thinking of moving to Denver or leaving a big city, let me know. I'm happy to provide some advice based on my experience living in both a small city like Cleveland when I was right out of college to then moving to one of the biggest cities, New York, and now being in Denver, which in my opinion is kind of a blend of New York and Cleveland as far as the lifestyle within that city. Obviously, Denver, you have access to the mountains and more parks and things of that nature compared to both of those cities. But in my opinion, I feel like I have a pretty strong understanding as far as different cities and the feel and what could be good for someone based on your interest and personality. I truly think that every city that exists in the country can be anyone's favorite city. We all have our different interests and things that we care about and not. And so you have to really just determine that for yourself and see what your priorities are in order to figure out where you'll be the most happiest as far as living your life, training, whatever it might be that's important to you. Now, if you have been following along, you would know that for the first time since last year, I have committed myself to training again for a sub three hour marathon, which that marathon is coming up in just three and a half months, which is the St. George Marathon. Now the last couple of weeks have been difficult as far as training, I'm not gonna lie. Two weeks ago was my last week in New York. I was getting ready for the move and really bigger picture. The difficulty with training came from the wildfires that were going on throughout the entire city. If you didn't see, the city was orange and yellow and all these different disgusting colors 
and there was warnings saying that you should not be running outside or doing any physical activity outside or maybe even walking outside at certain points. And so I was relying mostly on the treadmill and taking rest days to make sure that I wasn't going to hurt myself more than I was going to help myself. So that week really decreased my mileage. And then I moved to Denver last week. I ran 25 miles, which was a nice increase from the week before, but still not fully where I wanted to be. And then this week I'm in Chicago. And so I'm hoping that I can get my mileage up back into the 30, 35 mile range this week, but still big picture. This is not my normal routine. So when you are out of your routine and you are training, it makes things more difficult. I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Like I said, I'm expecting 30 to 35 miles this week, but we are out of our normal element. So for that reason, I haven't actually released or committed myself to a full out training plan, but I do plan on starting the week of June 26th to jump into my official training plan for the St. George Marathon, which will be a 14 week build towards it. And so I have been building for really the last couple months after my last race, which was a half marathon in Jersey City. I just haven't been committing myself to running certain workouts on a certain day and following a full out schedule like I had done for my previous build. So I'll release that to you all soon so you'll see it. Listen, I don't recommend following my plan fully to the T unless you're at a similar fitness level and running experience as me, but it will just show you a framework of what you would need to do in order to reach that level of that sub three hour marathon when you are ready for it, if you are interested in training for it like myself. But what you could do with that training plan, let's say you have a goal of running a 330 marathon or breaking a four hour marathon or breaking a five or a six hour marathon, you can take my times that I'm inserting for my interval workouts, my threshold workouts, days like that, and then put your marathon time into a VDOT chart, which you can go on the internet, you can type in Jack Daniels VDOT chart, and I'll give you your paces, and then you can insert your paces into that. Now, the one thing that I recommend too, is if you see, for example, that week one, I'm starting off at 35 miles, which is probably what it will be, and then I'll build up from there, I wouldn't recommend you start at 35 miles unless you are someone who recently has ran close to that amount of mileage in a week in a comfortable way without any major injury or soreness. I would understand what a comfortable first week of training would look like for you and start with that amount of mileage and then increase that mileage by five to 10% every week and after four weeks, go ahead and decrease it. But you'll see a full framework as far as what I'm thinking and you can definitely reference it and essentially create your own plan out of it but I am still fully creating free and custom running plans for anyone in the Run Brighter community who desires one. So if you do, definitely reach out to me directly or go to runbrighter.com, click the free running plan button and directly schedule time on my calendar. I would say that's probably the easiest way for you to do it, but if you DM me, I will answer within 24 to 48 hours. I know we're in June and a lot of people have different marathons and different races in general that you want to sign up for. You don't have to necessarily be running a marathon for me to coach you. You could be running a one mile race for all I care. You could be running a 55 meter dash. I probably won't have the best advice compared to a sprinting coach, but I'm still happy to help you and answer your questions as I have coached shorter distance runners. But if you're running a one mile race, a 5K, 10K, 8K, 20K, half marathon, full marathon, ultra marathon, it doesn't matter. I am happy to help you 
to the best of my ability. And as a reminder, all of this help is fully free. We just do this as a way to create more content for the community to answer other people who have the same questions as you, answer their questions in a video format because I think most of us learn the most from that format. But yeah, that's all I got here for today. I appreciate everyone's time listening and following along on the journey. If you enjoyed this episode of the Run Brighter podcast, would really, really appreciate it if you could go ahead and leave it a like and recommend it to someone that you care about that you think would benefit from being motivated, entertained, and educated about running. But as always, don't forget to run brighter, and I'll be back with another one here real soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye.